This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans hat everywhere. Day. Thursday, July 23rd. It hat is day. a hat day. We are celebrating Major League Baseball opening day. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy whose favorite MLB team is still technically in the playoff race right now, Jerem Jordan. Hey, don't be throwing shade with the Orioles here. You know, uh, no, it's uh, it's opening day for baseball. Our teams, I, do the Orioles play tomorrow, I assume? Tonight the Orioles play tonight tomorrow. Tonight it's like actual good baseball teams, and then our teams play tomorrow, right? <laughs> My franchise has three World Series championships. That's awesome, man. I think that the last was about the same time BYU won the national championship in football. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> the, um, in fact, I know it was in that era. Yeah, the Mariners are one of the uh, newer teams. They started in like seventy. Seven or something, you know, mm. um, with the pilots. But anyway, yeah, uh, exciting times. And here we are with uh, baseball returning. So hopefully baseball works out. It's okay. Uh, NBA. One week from preseason today. Preseason has been going bold, bold, taking headlines. Yeah. So uh, here we go, man. Here we go. That has us thinking. Okay, season openers are always fun. It's exciting. The energy is high. Certainly within BYU sports that applies, and specifically to college football. We don't know when or if there will be a season opener still for college football. But we still want to know, what is your favorite season opening BYU football game? Let's celebrate it. Celebrate season openers. And we're going to go right to Voice of the Nation. Our first response in from at Coog Katir on Twitter. I was at the BYU-Texas A&M game in 1996 and remember vividly the KO punch when Sark hit Kayla Louie for the late winning score. Still my go-to game to rewatch over and over. That's my answer as well. I moved to Utah in 95 from Portland, and I went to the Utah game in November. And then I went to the, the – this became – I think I went to nine of the 15 games in, in 20 – or uh, 96 – the Texas A&M game was amazing. That was such an awesome game. Texas A&M is ranked 13th. BYU wins 41-37. Late dramatics, as mentioned. Sark threw for 536-6. and six. Now, I just grabbed a random shirt out of my uh, drawer. Remember, I'm, I'm young and dumb at this time. I'm uh, 12. I just grabbed a shirt. Do you know what color shirt I grabbed from the closet against Texas A&M? I do. I grabbed a maroon shirt. <laughs> I wore a maroon shirt to that game like an idiot. You were that kid. And I kid you not, we sat near the Texas A&M section (laughs) in that strip in the northwest end zone. So that's fun. (laughs) The 12th man appreciated your uh, support, if you want to call it that. Listen, I'm not calling every 12-year-old young and dumb. I'm just saying most are. (laughs) And I was. What a game to be at. There were only, I think, like 56,000 people at that game. It was pre Pre uh, school, uh, so early back, yeah. So there were fewer people. Incredible, incredible game. Okay, uh, I'm going to read this from at Cox Web Dev to set up my answer. For me, it was Oklahoma with Max Hall delivering the game winner to McKay Jacobson and Colby Clausen taking out Sam Bradford. The 2009 opener against Oklahoma, BYU was ranked 20th. They were still a good team but they were still a heavy, heavy underdog against the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and 
The number three ranked Sooners, BYU, wins that game 14-13. And all of a sudden, all of us are thinking, is this BYU's year to finally break through this BCS bubble and do what Utah maybe did in 2008? They're playing in a big bowl game. BYU got as high as number seven, and then Florida State happened. But... Well, and TCU won the Rose Bowl that year. They were better than BYU. It was an incredibly loaded Mountain West Conference led by TCU. But BYU beating Oklahoma... That brought the juice and oh, to by BYU the way, Sports Nation. The next uh, two seasons, is that what it is, Caleb? Uh, 11 draft picks. 11 NFL draft picks the next two seasons. And in fact, three of the first four picks. So that Oklahoma team was awesome. So that's great. And, and BYU's ability to play Power 5 team in the opening game and, and win is an interesting one, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, and so... I, for me, like, I had a tough time kind of deliberating, like, okay, what's, what's my favorite season opening game? Because I wasn't at the Oklahoma game. No, but, that don't matter. But the memories are still, still very, like, real. The majority of fans don't go to the game. They watch it on TV. But the opener that I was at that I remember the most, probably 1999, Washington, led by Marcus Tuiasasopo, comes into Lavelle Edwards Stadium, takes a lead late, 28-27, and then Kevin Federick finds... 5-9 Chris Hale. See, that's short. With like two minutes to go in the game. Luke Staley burst onto the scene as a freshman in mm-hmm. that game. Yep. And the Cougars beat Washington in my open. I was watching that game with my sister Lindsay. We had season tickets together. It was such a fun, memorable game. See, BYU said so many epic season openers. We haven't even mentioned Nebraska right now. Yeah. Uh, Pitt, 84, hello. Uh, beating uh, number three team who ends up stinking, but that was a big uh, one at the time, live game on ESPN. That was great. And our stat of the day talks about the ability to beat Power Fives and season openers. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. It's 90. BYU has 13 opening game wins over Power 5 schools since, yeah, 1990. Okay. So, BYU's done this quite a bit, which is good. So, 13 and 8 overall. Yeah, that's, in that's good. 30 seasons. That's good. Uh, 5 and 2 in independence, although 6 of the 7 teams were under 500. So BYU is playing bad teams and won the majority of them. Let's not focus on the independence era. Let's focus on the Texas A&M's. Let's not focus on reality. (laughs) No, 5-2 is good. But the key is to play a bad Power 5 team to win. If you play a good Power 5 team, then you might not win. All right. We're off to a rip-roaring start. Play Alabama. To use a cliche. I'm trying to use some other sports cliches today because those are fun. They'll come out normally. Don't season worry. opening day, man. Uh, today's show lineup to celebrate the season opener for Major League Baseball really has nothing to do with Major League Baseball specifically, <laughs> but we're still very excited we're about it. We're desperate. It's July. Sports. BYU basketball assistant coach Cody Feger will join us. How has COVID impacted the scheduling process? Because we would know everything that BYU had lined up for the schedule by now. We would know the non-conference. Yeah. Obviously, we don't know. Yeah, we don't typically know August is uh, the conference schedule. We know what has been officially announced, but we haven't seen an official schedule right. release from BYU basketball. Right. Also, an injury report from Cody Feger. Uh, key player is dealing with uh, a prominent surgery. And Rich Sermonello, director of the College Football Awards, joins us. Who's the most likely BYU football player to win an award in the 2020 season? Don't forget Deep Blue with the elite Mitch Matthews and the best to wear number 59 and 60. Some controversy here, Jerem. Some controversy with these numbers. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Wyatt Lowell of Men's Hoops announces on Instagram he's having surgery on a torn labrum from last week. His official return timetable is unknown. We will chat with Cody Figure as mentioned. 
little redshirted last year after transferring from Utah Valley. The Cougars currently in official summer practices for four hours a week on the court and four in the weight room. The NCAA Board of Governors has announced they will meet tomorrow and again on August 4th to make further important decisions on the direction and outcome of fall sports. The NCAA Football Oversight Committee is asking the board to avoid making a decision too soon to give conferences and schools ample time to evaluate the viability of actually playing football this fall. But don't they need time to reschedule games, too? As if there's two sides. We're that, running out of time, two sides period. Of that coin. We're running out of time. NCAA President Mark Emmert said, quote, I get asked every day if college sports will return this fall. The consensus opinion among our health advisors is significant change must occur for that to happen, end quote. Toledo football head coach Jason Candle tests positive for COVID-19. He's the first known FBS coach to test positive and reveal it publicly. Toledo will not suspend its voluntary workouts despite uh, the coach being quarantined for the next 10 days. More on this topic and idea coming up in What's Trending. The NFL Players Association has announced there will be no preseason games. This means the first NFL action that fans will see takes place September 10th when the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, what's up, ship, host the Houston Texans. The decision was based on the lack of an offseason and health-related concerns. I think this is... Wait, what happened? A brilliant decision. Okay, brilliant. Just You don't need to play preseason games. Even if COVID doesn't exist, you probably don't need to play many preseason games. Like, it's such a violent sport. Just get into the games. Get into the games. Other leagues have played at least some. Yeah, it's not the NFL. I don't know. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, as Jerem just mentioned, COVID-19 is now making an impact for head football coaches. Toledo coach Jason Candle testing positive. He's out for a couple of weeks. Jerem, what if this happens in the season? What if? What do you mean? When it happens? There will be head coaches. A head coach gets COVID-19, has to quarantine for a couple of weeks. And if this happened at BYU, what would the depth chart look like? Kalani, you got to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, you can coach from your hospital bed, a la the Liberty situation Ho- last hopefully year. Hopefully, it's not a hospital bed. Hopefully, it's just home. I kid, right? Uh, but there, what, what, what there is a person be? who has a title of assistant head coach on the team. His okay. name is Ed Lamb. Mm. I think that Ed Lamb would lead the way. Um, and then the coordinators, right? Grimes or Tuiaki. I think that's pretty uh, simple. But my question here is: Aren't these guys going to interact? Right? Aren't these guys going to interact? Because if you're exposed to someone. For a certain period of time, you are supposed to quarantine as well. So are these guys making sure they don't get that close to each other? Are we cool if we all wear a mask and we stay six feet apart? Are you good not to quarantine if someone gets a positive test? Like, what's the societal standard right now? Because uh, that's inevitably going to happen. The athletes aren't the one that concern me, per se, although we're concerned about all of them. It's the older coaches. Granted, BYU doesn't have a really old coach, but there are staffs around the country in college football, the NFL and otherwise, that have older coaches that we're told are more at risk for a serious issue with COVID. They're the ones we need to be thinking about. So the, uh, the preparation and the uh, isolation and, of course, mask and whatnot and maybe plexiglass and certain whatever – that's what we need to be thinking about, I think, is the coaching staffs and, frankly, administrators, right? Yes, and you're right about Ed Lamb. He's the assistant head coach, 
and was a head coach before. So is he the only one that's been a head coach in FBS or FCS on the staff? I believe yes. that's the case. Yes. So Ed Ed's the guy. Um, if I were to pick a wild card, I'd throw Fessy Satake out there. I like that he's working. Nepotism? Huh? Well, <laughs> not so much for me. Because his last name's Satake, so they just say Coach Satake. Well, mostly because he's hit a hole-in-one that was uh, officialized by the New York Times and because he sings Let It Wall Go. Wall Street Journal. Uh, yeah. Wall Street Journal, that's yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like Fessy. And because I, he sings Let It Go? Yeah. These are the criteria let's go, let's you're using? Let's go. For my backup, yeah. <laughs> you know, the assistant head coach, that, that – you know, that's, that's important. But and here's the other thing that I was kind of uh, thinking about as I was driving into work today. They're all competitors, these coaches. At what point, and you're kidding yourself, so you don't think a coach might be sick but understands the ramifications of potentially shutting down his program for two weeks. So at what point do you say, I'm going to keep this close to the vest and I'm not going to – I'm one, I'm not gonna. I don't want to get tested because I don't want to know. Right. I'll stay away because I'm sick, but I'm not gonna get tested because I don't want everything to shut down. That you are completely right, and that is completely irresponsible. I know because you're kidding yourself. You don't think that that's gonna happen in multiple locker rooms. I think. Yeah. No. I I agree. I think generally speaking, we've seen someone who tries to fight through an illness as somehow uh, tough or brave or whatever. Now I would say that's reckless, right? In a pandemic, if you show up at work with symptoms, you are reckless. Is it reckless if you stay home in quarantine but don't say anything so you don't have to shut the program down? Yes, because you may have spread it and people need to know. That would, in my opinion, that would be reckless. It's, it's there, we're going to have a ton of reckless behavior. I'm telling you, that will happen. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you're affecting other people. You need mm-hmm. to not be selfish. Topic two: Wyatt Lowell announces he's having labrum surgery after tearing it last week. What impact will this have on the men's basketball season? Well, BYU loses a shooter, and there is a little bit of concern about how many three-point shooters BYU will have. And Lowell is one of those guys. that's like, oh man, he's six ten. He's Dead eye from long range. So this this hurts BYU's three-point shooting capability a little bit. He's not a starter, or at least not a projected starter in my opinion. So I don't know how many minutes Wyatt was going to play per game, but he's immediate injection of three-point capability off the bench. So I don't like that. Now it falls on Trevin Nell and Alex Barcelo and then – who else is going to be the yeah, one, two, three-point shooter? Like Spencer Johnson, perhaps. Uh, you know, Connor Harding had a successful year. Yeah, this kind of depends on when the season starts. So Wyatt Lowell's injury happens in July. So, uh, you know, there's five months left in the year, essentially. Let's say that we don't start playing college football until January. He'd have five months to get ready. You know, maybe maybe a uh, potential delay. Hopefully there's not. But if there is, then... Wyatt Lowell can get back for the season. Gavin Baxter had a very similar situation. Last summer, tears his labrum. He doesn't come back until, what, February yes. uh, last year? So it, it took a while. And but, there was rust. Right, and there was rust. Grant, and Yeah, for sure. And Gavin Baxter wasn't a guy that had to do the, the shooting part of that, right? He was mainly just defending and, and trying to get some rebounds, blocking shots. So, yeah, this does impact things. I think... The, uh, Wyatt is a guy that we were hoping would come off the bench and, yeah, shoot some threes and defend and be long and that kind of thing. So we'll see what kind of impact that has. I hate injuries, but if you are, have to have an injury, I would rather have an injury in the off season than during the season. And that's slippery. You don't have to have an injury. But they happen, and here we are. Um, you know, in practice it happens. He has surgery, takes care of it. If we have a delayed season, then maybe he can get back in time to contribute in a meaningful way.
All right. A reminder that our social media question is centered on the season opening scenario in Major League Baseball. And we're asking all of you, what's your favorite season opening BYU football game? We've had some fantastic responses thus far. Keep those coming. Hashtag BYUSN. Coming up, the best to wear at number 59 and 60. Are one of them a Ute? Oh, controversy. And BYU basketball assistant coach Cody Feeger will join us. What kind of impact will Wyatt Lowell's departure for surgery have on this team right now and when are we going to find out about the schedule this is BYU Sports Nation BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere the greatest BYU football plays in the words of the greatest BYU football players Ty Detmer Tanner Mangum Mitch Matthews Max Hall they're all going to talk about great plays tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation BYU football great moments as told by players volume 2 if you want to watch Volume 1, it's on the BYU TV. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can watch it whenever you want it. We are live in Studio B, and this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is Major League Baseball season opening day. Jerem's repping the Mariners. I'm repping the Orioles. And right now, we're all repping because Cody Feeger, BYU basketball men's assistant coach, is joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, of course, repping the Y. Cody, great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Is that still the Zach Selyus virtual background? It Always. is. It is. Yeah, there he is. Okay. Always. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to be having a baby here very soon. So wow. yeah, yeah. That's a, he's got the he's got the bleach uh, you know hair going on as well. Oh, he Facial actually hair. did a transformation. Um, he went from White Goodman from dodgeball, and now he turns into James Harden. So he's just got this <laughs> big beard right now. And, like almost shaved head. It's amazing what two months can do to him. And, and it's amazing what post BYU uh, does to people, right? It's like, oh, facial hair. Yeah. yeah. Long hair. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Cody, uh, first and foremost, how is practice going and moving along with uh, the implementation of you actually being able to work with players now? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. The guys have been July 20th, first day we started on Monday. The guys have been coming in, working hard working a ton of defensive footwork right now. And we're also working finishes at the rim, kind of our offensive schemes uh, with like three on three groups. And uh, we're going to actually put in some defensive shell today. Uh, but, it, but it's been really good. Like you said, we got a lot of new guys. So we're, we're starting slow. Is everyone in? Everyone is in. Everyone's here, ready to go. It, it's, been, it's been awesome. It, it's, we got a good group. Good group of kids. What's the process like, uh, obviously, with COVID of getting gathering these guys and the process you do every day to make sure these guys are safe? Because obviously that's at the forefront, but also you want to be practicing when you have a season. If it's delayed or modified, that you're ready when it happens, whenever it happens. Yeah, I mean, we get certain times of the day where we can get in the gym right now because they're, they're uh, splitting up between men and women right now. Um, and... Uh, they have to come in wearing a mask. They're getting checked every single day. Every time they come in, they're getting a wristband um, by Rob Ramos. He, he's checking everybody every day. Um, like we, they can't congregate in our offices or in the locker room or any any other parts of the facilities. So it's like come in, get your lift in, get your workout in, and then you gotta gotta take off. Um, but like coaches, like us, while while we're doing our workouts. We're wearing masks during it. Um, I know in the NBA, a lot of those guys are wearing masks and the gloves, but we're, we just have masks on right now. So 
it, it's been good. The guys are working hard. It's sometimes hard to hear with our masks on, um, but but we're figuring it out. Cody Feger, BYU basketball assistant coach with the Sun BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of hard work and uh, tweeting about it, Gavin Baxter sent out a tweet the other day saying, you get into your car after four hours of basketball, <laughs> your legs are numb, you squirt some uh, hand sanitizer that's you know super hot onto your hands, and you feel all the scrapes burn with the alcohol. Uh, wh- what did you think of Gavin Baxter's explanation of uh, what this is like uh, playing basketball at BYU amidst the COVID pandemic? That's that's just Gavin, right? I mean, he's just going <laughs> to say something kind of ridiculous all the time, you know. Yeah, that that's him. I mean. He's hilarious, he, but he comes in and he works really hard and he loves to shoot afterwards and work on different nuances of his game. But but that's just Gavin. I mean, I expect nothing less from him. He's a creative one. I love it. Uh, last <laughs> summer, we were talking about a labrum with Gavin, and here we are now with Wyatt Lowell last week. So I guess uh, what happened, and he mentioned he's going to have surgery, and uh, what's the what's the timeline of expectation for a return for Wyatt Lowell? So the guys were playing pickup. Um, this was... Last week, I want to say Wednesday or Thursday, I think. And, like, it was, like, the first or second play, I guess. Um, and then just Wyatt went running to the training room. I think it happened on some type of a rebound. Wyatt went went uh, running to the training room, and um, um, Rob got it checked out right away, and he had a doctor's appointment the next day. And so we found out, you know, as soon as the doctor called Rob, um, after that MRI, MRI imaging, um, but why, why it's got good spirits about it. Um, you know, it's a little minor setback for a major comeback for him. You know, he, he's going to be working hard when he comes back and, you know, he, all the guys have been texting him and, um, you know, he had the surgery yesterday. So he, he's things, things are getting better for him already. And how did the surgery go? Uh, just from those initial reports. Yeah, no, everything went well. Um, uh, I, I don't know how many anchors they put in there, but you know it, it went well. He, he's feeling good. His his mom and dad have, have all been hitting us up, also. Um, but Wyatt texted me, you know, two hours after the surgery, saying everything went good and he's he's feeling good. And this morning he already hit me back too. So we want you to play a doctor on TV, I guess. But uh, is the is the timeline for that five to seven months or something? What's generally the timeline? I mean, Gavin got his in. I think it was early October, mm. and he was out until January, I want to say. So like four months, um, maybe? And so I'm, I'm guessing about four months, and I've, you know, I wasn't the guy really paying attention in a lot of my classes, that <laughs> stuff, the, the injuries and things like that. Yeah. But I, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing around, no, you know, late November, early December, he can start working back in with the team. That would be my guess. And hopefully we play on time, right? Or a little earlier and then take a – we don't know, right? Um, there's talks of, yeah. you know, you start in January and you go into April or May or something. So we were just talking about, hey, maybe some kind of, uh, you know, if there is a delay, that would benefit a guy like Wyatt Lowell and his recovery. But who knows when we're going to play? What What are you hearing? What's the conversation like as you try and navigate preparation for a season that you don't know when it's going to start? Everyone's talking about football. No one's really talking about basketball, but we're talking about basketball. <laughs> no for us we're just going like we're we're going to start up our real practices on september i think 28th uh before our first game i think that's the 30 days or whatever before our first game we're just planning on going that way you know we're not thinking twice unless until they tell us that we're 
push back or it's changing things like that we're, we're going full speed ahead like we're, we're playing um yeah nothing's slowing us down that way right now and and our guys are the guys are living in this gym so it's been pretty cool cody with how things are uh covid pandemic still here it clearly has slowed down scheduling uh, so at what point are you hoping to have an official non-conference schedule revealed so that you can try and work towards that specific date or those specific dates? I'm guessing by mid-August we should have something something out or um, August 20th around that time that we'll have something out with the schedule. Um, it, just, it just takes time and everyone's trying to figure it out and I don't know what's going to happen with these bye games. It's all just up in the air. I mean – we're just trying to stay as fluid as we can and keep our guys, uh, you know, engaged and excited about it. As long as they don't ruin your trip to the Bahamas, you're good, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm excited about that trip. And I assume it's still on despite COVID. You'll just navigate that as you as yeah, you can, I guess. Yeah, we'll navigate that. And I, I mean, I wonder what they're going to do with the Maui Invitational too this year. You know, I wonder if teams right? are going to go over there or if they're going to do something on the West Coast. There's so many things in the air. It's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be fun to figure this thing out. Has it been? Because even with, go ahead. Sorry, even with Wyatt going down and schedule changing, our job's still to win games here. You know, so you know, even with Yoli being out, all uh, our job's still to win games and figure it out, and no excuses. In terms of this new group um, and the philosophy around it, you talked about how you guys are developing that right now. How is that going uh, in terms of, okay, what kind of offense do we run with this group? Because we, are, we do have more front court uh, ability. It's a different dynamic, right? Uh, defensively, what you're putting in. How, how far into the development of that with this personnel are you? Yeah, and, and so far we are not even in that part. We're, we're doing a lot of the same stuff right now offensively, you know, post-feed splits, uh, kind of our ball screen motion. Um, just kind of like Matt Harms, he's learning to roll way better, way different um, than what, you know, the, the specific way we teach it. So we're just kind of teaching, you know, ball screens, how we do it. And then um, defensively right now, we haven't even, even talked about ball screen defense. Uh, we're just talking about, you know, early shell and, and uh, two on two stuff, just where to be all the time. So does that mean you kind of want to see these guys in person a little more before you figure out what works best, or do you want to put in what you've been doing with this group already? No, we'll start putting – we have a good idea. Like as a staff, we've met, we've met you know, a ton, obviously, uh, about what we're going to kind of implement. So we're, we're kind of ready. Um, we just haven't, haven't put it in yet because we're just starting slow with just footwork, just – closeouts how to do a closeout how to you know attack penetration with verticality uh talking about anticipation um talking about catch two being there on the catch and then catch the move so we're we're just starting all really small stuff and then we're going to add you know ball screen defense here soon and and uh yeah we haven't talked about any five on five it's mostly been three on three just kind of our little little actions out of that cody heaven forbid that uh no fans uh, are, or I should say, heaven forbid that fans aren't allowed to attend games. But in that instance, I'm just excited to hear uh, what you guys have to say. You're going to be the volume <laughs> in the building potentially. It's going to be too loud. <laughs> I know. I know. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting. Maybe we'll have just a, a bunch of virtual Spencer and Jerems <laughs> in the crowd. Just every <laughs> single one of you guys just switched off. What a nightmare. That, that'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Cody, great to talk to you, man. Uh, stay healthy and safe. We're excited about BYU basketball. You guys do. Appreciate you guys. You got it. Cody Figure on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, one national analyst take on the BYU quarterback. Game. And the best to ever wear number 59 and 60 at BYU. Rivalry controversy involved here. This is BYU Sports Nation. To get to know the players, coaches, and some compelling fan stories, search Deep Blue on the BYU TV app today. All 23 Deep Blues from Season 1 last year are available on demand. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is Major League Baseball season opening day. Repping our teams. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. White Lola Men's Hoops announces on Instagram he's having surgery on a torn labrum from last week. His official return timetable is unknown, although Cody Fieger alluded to the idea that it's four, five, maybe six months away. Lowell redshirted last year after transferring from Utah Valley. The Cougs currently in official summer practices. This is the spring ball equivalent for men's hoops, by the way. Yeah. They're in summer uh, camp, if you will. Four hours on the court a week, four in the weight room. Athletics News. The NCAA Board of Governors announcing they will meet tomorrow and again on August 4th to make further decisions on the direction of fall sports. The NCAA Football Oversight Committee is asking the board to avoid making a decision too soon to give conferences and schools ample time to evaluate the viability of playing football specifically this fall. NCAA President Mark Emmert said, quote, I get asked every day if college sports will return this fall. The consensus opinion among our health advisors is significant change must occur for that to happen, end quote. And then the Pac-12, Jerem, just came out with the following news. They are announcing a 10-game schedule beginning September 19th what would have been week three. So a couple of bye weeks as well in there, multiple championship date options. And this is all according to John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. Makes sense for them. Uh, disappointing that BYU can't play Utah, Arizona State, or Stanford. But uh, I think that makes sense, right? Two bye weeks, try and play 10 games, control it. Still doesn't mean we like the decision of not playing BYU-Utah. Toledo football coach Jason Candle tests positive for COVID-19. He's the first known FBS coach to test positive and reveal it publicly. Toledo will not suspend its voluntary workouts, despite the head coach being quarantined for the next 10 days. You may have heard this, but the NFL Players Association has announced there will be no preseason games. This means the first NFL action that fans will watch happens on September 10th when the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs host the Houston Texans. The decision... Reportedly based on lack of an offseason and health-related concerns. Hmm, you don't say. Baseball. Team Henry, or Henri, beats Team Clough in the Utah Collegiate Baseball League 7-3 last night. As heard on BYUCougars.com, the BYU Cougars app with Jason Schiff. It is now time for this week's Deep Blue feature, and we're not here to debate whether he's elite or not, even though he is elite. But Mitch Matthews. Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> his... Our Deep Blue presentation. You decide. I'm Mitch Matthews, and I played at BYU from 2012 to 2015 and a few years in the NFL as well. And now I'm an entrepreneur and I've started my own business. I just remember him being a phenomenal receiver. Um, he was so tall. He was so long. And so a lot of those guys are one-dimensional. But Mitch Matthews, I thought, was as, as much of an all-around as receiver as you can find. Nobody is better at what Mitch does than Mitch. 
And I don't think if he knew someone broke the records that he's broken, he'd just go break it again. We all talk about the, those players that you love having on your team, but you hate to play against. I think he was one of those uh, just because of his competitive nature. And he took that competitiveness not just on the field, but off the field and the things he does. And, and if you look at him now, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's running a business and he's really just self-motivated because of his competitive nature to be the best that he can be. He also was the younger brother. Um, and his, so his older brother Marcus pushed him a lot. He, he kind of had to keep up with him. And Mitch would always say he, he didn't want to be known as Marcus's little brother. Because Marcus was a good athlete too. He knew if he was going to make a name for himself, he was going to have to work extra hard to make himself stand out, to set himself apart. Very few people get the chance to play college football or NFL football, but even less, I'd say, get the chance to, to play college football with their own brother who I've looked up to my whole entire life. We didn't do anything not together when we played together and that was you know some of the closest times I ever had with my brother. And those are times I look back on and we still talk about to this day. Joking around in the locker room and creating memories there and, and that was a time in my life that I'll never forget playing with your own brother uh, in college football. It's, it's really fun. So the Hail Mary was definitely the hallmark of my career. I, I prided myself in in being a playmaker, which means when, when people think you have no chance to catch the ball, then, then I'm gonna make a play. And that was kind of my, my mantra at BYU, was just make a play. We go back out onto the field for our, our final drive. We get to the 42-yard line, not quite close enough for a field goal. There's only one second to go in the game. And so we call timeout and we, we dial up our, our Hail Mary play. I roll out and I just, put it up in the air. When that ball was flying in the air, I, I felt like it was my chance to really show people who I was and to make a big play on a big stage like that. Goes for the end zone. The ball's in the air. It drops at the goal line. And he got it for a touchdown. He got it. He got it. He got it. Touchdown, Mitch Matthews. The Cougars win it. The Cougars win it. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I hear about it nearly every single day. And this is, this is four years past. And I, I'm grateful for moments like that, that, that uh, kind of were an icing on the cake for my career here at BYU. And, and even when I played in the NFL, it was, you're the Hail Mary guy, right? That's what people said to me. You know, my life is dedicated to, to what I call redefining hard. I feel like there was a span of one month where, where my, my world got flipped upside down. And within one month, my mom passed away. And it was a few days, the same weekend, actually, as my wedding. And a couple weeks after that, I was cut for the third time from my dream job playing in the NFL, and I was starting my own business. One of the experiences that Mitch went through that shaped him the most was the loss of his mom. And if you know Lisa, you know just how amazing she is and how great of a woman she is. After my mom passed away, um, it was two in the morning, and um, all of us are exhausted as a family, and we went to bed, and I had a workout the next morning at 6 a.m., and so I got three and a half hours, four hours of sleep that, that next day, and then I got up and, and worked out. Because at the time, I was on the Vikings, so I had, I had a job, right? And so, um, like I said before, there was nothing that was gonna get in my way of chasing my dreams, and my mom taught me that. And so the day, you know, hours after she passed away, it was still go time. So I don't think there's really a ceiling for Mitch with what he wants to do. He's not afraid to go for it. He's not afraid to fail. He just puts his whole mind into something and just goes for it. And I think that's what he does with almost anything. 
If he wants to be better at it, he just bears down and does it. You know, he doesn't let anything stop him. Life is so fragile. Things can be switched in an instant. Things can be perfect and five hours later be horrible. You can be living your dream job and five minutes later, you're not living your dream job. And so if you have a chance to do something, you have a potential to do something, how dare you not go all out in that? And that's how I live my life now is not many businesses make it, but I'm going to make this happen because I've been cut down so many times. I've lost things like that. And in my power, I'm going to do everything I can to make my dreams happen because I've seen them switch. Sometimes you only have one shot. Sometimes you have multiple, but you never know when, when things are going to end. And so put every single thing you have into what you're doing in your, in your choice of, of your dreams and you'll reap a lot of benefits from that. Mitch Matthews, a wild success story as an entrepreneur right now. Well, his life. I mean, look what he's overcome. All the different facets, right? And that one month that defines his life, right? His mom passes away from cancer. Just tragedy, right? He's still on the Vikings trying to make it, and he gets married. I mean, that's wild. We've talked about Mitch quite a bit, Elite. He's an elite person. We can agree on that. He's an elite person. And it was fun to work with him closely on uh, the pre- and post-game shows for football last year kind of get to know him a little bit better. He's been so cool about everything, by the way, with our conversation. Because we're 503 guys. I love Mitch. I just, I just differ on very good to the elite. That's, listen, I wish, BYU, I wish BYU had Mitch Matthews types on the team now. right? A tall guy that can make a play in the end zone a little more. Hopefully BYU will have the chance to prove themselves uh, in that regard more yeah. this year. I mean, semantics. It, it comes down to semantics sure. and details. Of, you know, Really, we mostly are just joking with each other, but like... I wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but he is an elite human. He's great. He, He's re- great. he really is. And uh, the funny thing is, you look at BYU's all-time leading receiver, Cody Hoppin. Mitch lasted longer in the NFL than Cody Hoppin, which makes me scratch my head. Like, how? why, why did that happen? Yeah, well, both didn't get into a regular season game, right? There were preseason stuff. I think. Yeah, well, Mitch signed, I guess Mitch signed yeah, so, multiple teams. Like, Cody was cut, and that was it. Yeah. Like, Mitch bounced around to three different I feel teams. like you're making the elite arguments I'm still. Just, I'm just saying, like, they, they saw that they saw the, the potential there that I, nice. that I saw. Nice. Did we get the sponsor in? We good? Uh, yes, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, Deep Blue. Awesome. Let's go. Okay, coming up, who are the best to wear 59 and 60? The director of the College Football Awards, Rich Simonello, will also join us. Who's the most likely Cougar to win an award in 2020? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow, check out BYU Sports Nation right now as Kiki celebrates Utah Holiday uh, Pioneer Day by honoring some of the BYU Athletics modern-day pioneers that are changing the game on and off the court. It'll be on the BYU Sports Nation social media channel. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. We are now pleased to welcome in Rich Sermonello, Director of College Football Awards on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Rich, welcome back to the program. How are you? Doing good, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Okay, so uh, you kind of burst back onto the BYU fandom scene when you recently tweeted out the top eight schools, if the starting quarterback goes down, that would be in the best position to handle it. We obviously feel like BYU's in a really good position with Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall. I mean, they had three different guys start and win a game last year. 
Yep. Um, so I guess my question, Rich, is how come BYU is not higher on your list? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, I feel like I'm back on Twitter with this conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I think for me it really came down to looking at the back. And just quickly, the, the impetus for, for that tweet was really entirely wrapped around the current situation that we're in right now. I, I was thinking about uh, depth issues, the possibility that a quarterback's not available, and that's the case in every year, but I think depth now in 2020 uh, might be more important than ever. So I really wanted to take a look at those uh, situations that, okay, your starter is out. What does the backup situation look like? And in the case of BYU, having, as you mentioned, multiple quarterbacks who have started in one games, uh, have a little more experience under their belt. I thought Baylor Romney was really impressive in the four games uh, that we had a chance to watch him last year uh, spelling Zach Wilson. So that level of depth, the versatility of the athleticism of Jaron Hall, uh, for me, made them a top eight, but certainly could make an argument for a little bit higher. And it's a fun conversation because, unfortunately, the injuries happen, right? And sometimes ineptitude, you pull a guy, whatever, or inconsistency. So um, what role do you think quarterback depth plays in 2020 versus, say, I don't know, a decade or two ago? Mm-hmm where maybe a running back would have more of an influence on a team, whereas today it feels like the quarterback is the guy. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to be that good. Yeah, no, there's no question. And, and we see great running backs. You know, we, we do uh, Travis Etienne from Clemson last year, Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. I think over the past couple of years, running backs have begun to sneak back into the conversation a little bit. Uh, if you look at the past decade in terms of, our award, Maxwell Football Club, uh, dominated by quarterbacks. I don't expect to see that change. But certainly as it stands now in terms of uh, you know, the impact in the locker room, impact in a huddle, uh, impact in the offense as offenses are constructed, uh, certainly you know, once you get outside of the service academies, it's really all about the quarterback play. And so now when a quarterback goes down, uh, you know, your entire season – uh, could be lost at that point in terms of aspirations. It's important, and again, I think it's particularly important this year because I don't know what we're going to get. Once, hopefully, the season begins, a lot of these players' conditioning has been different than it's been in the past. They've spent less time on campus with their strength and conditioning coaches. Most programs have not had the luxury of spring football, so rust and conditioning, those could be two factors that really impact depth in 2020. Rich Sermonella, Director of College Football Awards on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline with us, part of BYU Sports Nation. Rich, you're obviously in some very prominent college football discussion circles, and we all want to know, hey, is football actually going to happen? Uh, it's, it's the question of questions for sports fans as we approach the fall. What are you hearing in your conversations mm-hmm. with those high-level college football personnel, whether it be athletic directors or coaches or otherwise? I, I think what's uh, frustrating for me is the last major event I was at, the last time I was with, um, I don't know, more than a dozen people in the same room, was at our annual event in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, where we were giving out uh, Maxwell Award uh, to Joe Burrow, uh, the NARC Award to Chase Young of Ohio State. And, and about, I would say, about 72 hours after we got back home, my wife and I, the entire world changed. That was when the NBA shut down in mid-March. And the frustrating thing for me, guys, is uh, started to have those high-level discussions, uh, NCAA people, 
uh, TV people, uh, corporate executives. The narrative has not changed that much uh, from what I'm hearing four months ago as it is to, uh, today. And that really is a concern of mine because I think people know more, obviously, in mid to late July than they did in mid to, to late March, but the uncertainty is as heightened as it was four months ago. Those individuals do not have concrete answers. Uh, they do believe we'll have the start of the season. I do as well. I certainly hope that's the case. But whether we can get to the finish line, uh, playoffs, bowl games, November and December exciting football, uh, no one knows for sure, and that's uh, that's something that's uh, unsettling, to say the least. Bednarik uh, list came out. We were hoping BYU would have a defense player on it. They did not. Perhaps uh, they can uh, you know, make the, the list during huh? the season. But uh, with the Maxwell uh, watch list, that comes out tomorrow. What can we expect from that list? Uh, you know, uh, great cross-section. Obviously, we have a lot of kids on there. We always try to make it a point to celebrate not just the – Power Five conferences, but the Group of Five, the Independents, uh, we will have a BYU player on there. Uh, it's probably not a great mystery as to who that will be. Uh, Bednarik was close. You know, Bednarik is so much tougher because, you know, Maxwell tends to hinge, as we discussed, more so on quarterbacks, running backs. Uh, there are some wide receivers. We do have four non-offensive skill position players, one offensive lineman, no great mystery there, too. You probably could guess who that is. Three defensive players who will be on both the Bednarik and the Maxwell watch list this year. Uh, but for me, it's really an opportunity to celebrate uh, big school players, small school players, Bednarik, quickly, we were close with Kairos Tonga. That was the one player more than anyone else when we went to committee. Uh, Kairos, I think, has a really bright future. Love his story. Uh, the agility and athleticism that he shows at his size on the interior of that defense, I think, bodes really well, not just for this season, but on Sundays as well. It was close. We actually had close to 150 either nominees or players that we brought to the table. So it was a really, really difficult decision at the end. Rich, I'm excited for Kairos to be on your midseason updated list. <laughs> and and that's a, I really appreciate you bringing that up, too. We, we certainly have misses. We certainly have kids that uh, sort of sneak up on us once the season begins. We do make those uh, additions. Uh, our entire committee is always looking throughout September and early October. So it's hardly a death knell when it comes to the Maxwell and the Bednarik. We will be making typically 8 to 12 editions on both sides once the season begins. Man, the knowledge and detail is without question there. We appreciate the time uh, and know how crazy things are right now. And hopefully uh, we're discussing actual football the next time we talk to you. Wouldn't that be great, guys? Yeah. I appreciate it as well. You got it. Thanks so much, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Rich Ciaramanello on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. So is he saying Zach Wilson on Maxwell, I assume? Or is it, or is Bushman? it Matt Bushman? Or is it Matt Bushman? He's, so maybe uh, it's not so obvious. He's referring to Penny Sewell, by the way, from St. George, the uh, Outland Trophy winner last year, left tackle at Oregon. Coming up, a women's hoopster who did a first in the Juddy era this week. And who were the best athletes to wear number 59? And who was the athlete at 60? We'll discuss both. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. 
BYU Sports Nation continues, and this is now where I mention the daily reminder that the show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can Google the podcast if you want to download it. Google BYU Sports Nation. That takes us to the best to wear it, brought to you by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We're counting up to 99 today. Two athletes to discuss at numbers 59 and 60 as the best to wear those numbers at BYU. And there's some rivalry controversy here starting with 59. Number 59, Kyle Whittingham. Oh! Kyle Whittingham was the best to wear number 59, so we're told. He was a good linebacker, two-time All-League, uh, you know, 80 and 81, WAC co-player of the year in 81. Oh, he uh, looks good in blue and white. Inducted to the Holiday Bowl Hall of Fame in 2009 after playing in the first four and uh, took over Utah. He's been a tremendous head coach at Utah, one of the most tenured college head, head coaches right now. At number 60, how about Big Terrence Brown? Played 2005 and then 2008 to 2011 after his two-year mission trip. 50 career games, starting 39 games from his sophomore to senior season. That's tough to do as an offensive lineman. That's a lot, yeah. We talked about Tijon Karoma every game. I mean, that, that's those are really impressive numbers. 2009 College Football News Sophomore Honorable Mention, uh, Remington Trophy Watch List. Speaking of college football awards in 2011 and got into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2012 by the Miami Dolphins, who Mitch Matthews also played for. Caught a preseason touchdown with. The kid back in the area. <laughs> Our question of the day. Speaking of season openers, because it's Major League Baseball season opening day, what is your favorite season opening BYU football game? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at K Wilkins on Twitter. Hard to choose between 96 against A&M and 2009 at Jerry's World, Oklahoma. 96 was my first game at BYU. We were on the fourth row in the end zone when KO was catching the winning touchdown pass. It was a beautiful day as well. I remember it. Man. Okay, today's rising shout-outs. Kaylee Smiler, women's hoopster, became the first player in the Judkins era to be accepted to the Marriott School of Business Global Woo! Supply Chain and Human Resource Management major. Congrats, Kaylee. It's a big deal that she's going to be back from New Zealand, too. Yeah, there's, that's awesome. There's some weird stuff there. Uh, my shout-out goes to everyone that helped me move yesterday because it's always a debacle. So thank you, everyone. Our thanks to today's guest, Cody Figer and Rich Sermonello. Sorry to Dennis Pitt in no time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Marcus Matthews. See you tomorrow for BYU Football. Great Moments is told by players, Volume 2. It's a sad day, losing our chief.